Welcome back to another episode of Inside Inside Sales. Brought to you by our sponsor, Vanilla Soft, with your host, Daryl Prale. Join us each week as we interview industry experts in the dramatically growing field of inside sales and sales development. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. So you ready? Hey, Daryl. Thank you, Paul. How you doing, everybody? It's good to see you again. You know, we just don't spend enough quality time together. And I got to tell you, I miss you when we're not talking. But guess what? We're talking again. My name is Daryl Prell, and you are back listening to another episode of Inside Inside Sales, where we get down and practical in the weeds, in the real things that affect every sales professional out there every single day. You will not find a single discussion or iota of management speak, of strategy. This is just hands-on practical advice. So thank you for joining us today. I'm really excited about today's topic. I said it every week, but this one is cool. Let me explain to you how the process works, right? So I've got this list, a spreadsheet, of course, of hundreds of topics. And often I'm inspired and I'll go look at the list and I'll say, that's the topic I want to do. Then I seek out the right speaker. Other times I will see a speaker and I'll hear what they're talking about. And I'll say, ooh, that's, you know, I want to talk with them. This was kind of version A meets version B. So our guest today is Carol Mahoney, and she's the founder of Unbound Growth, a scientific sales development firm that eliminates the guesswork of hiring the right salespeople and develops sales teams. And she uses this cool science-based data and driven process, and it, it helps salespeople achieve 130 160% of quota and in less than six months. And she claims, and I fully believe her because once you get to know this woman, you'll, she's not messing around, a 98% annual customer retention rate. So I happened to see Carol recently at the Rev It Up conference. And Carol and I have I had a chance to, you know, hang in similar circles. And I was so passionate with what she was talking about. I'm like, how can we work together? And she came up with the idea uh, that's very near and dear and personal to her about how our perception of sales, how we perceive sales, impacts our results. And I thought, man, that's so relevant, right? You know, it, and it's a personal thing, whether I perceive myself as a good individual or a bad individual, an attractive individual, an ugly individual, a funny individual, a not so funny individual, all those influences shape who I am, and then I fundamentally become the person I believe I am. I project it, I become it, and that can be good, and that can be bad. And when she said that, I'm like, boom, we're in. So with that as a setup, Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you for so much for having me. I am also excited to be here and talking with you and everyone else listening. And everybody else in Inside, Inside Sales Line. Okay, so, <laughs> of course, when I called her, she's like, who are you again? You know, it's just, it hurt. I want you to know that. Okay, so... <laughs> I got to ask the question before we even kind of get into the big, you know, subject around this. Why is this so near and dear to you? There's a lot of this in the content on your website. It's somewhat pervasive. There's a thread here. Why is this so personal for you? My first business is I started a marketing agency. I got my degree in marketing. And the reason behind it was when people said, well, why don't you go into sales? You'd be a great salesperson. And my immediate reaction was, ew, ick. I didn't get into sales because of that perception. And 
when I opened my marketing agency, I was convinced that I could do such awesome marketing that I would make those icky, pushy, aggressive salespeople completely obsolete. That was kind of my underlining mission. Of course, I also wanted to help businesses grow and to create jobs, but underlining it was this just disdain for the idea of sales. And what I found is that even in today's information age, we still need salespeople to connect problems to solution. And that we can't just take marketing leads to the bank when you're especially talking about complex B2B sales. And what I found in my marketing agency in my first business is that it was my perception of sales that also inhibited the growth in my business because I found myself with clients that, for lack of a better word, were the PETA clients, the big pain in the you know what. And <laughs> I've never I, had them. Yeah, I, I wanted. I didn't know if this was the family, you know, PG-rated show, but I'm, I'm sure you can fill in the what the last. We're good, man. The A is there, yeah. What I found was is that I had the clients that were not listening to the advice that I was giving. They weren't showing up for meetings. They were nickeling, diming me over invoices, and it was just miserable. And I thought, if this is what being an entrepreneur is all about, I'm all set. <laughs> And I was at the point where I was trying to decide, do I close down the marketing agency? I mean, it, it was, it wasn't that it wasn't successful. It was just a complete drain on me or, and do I go get a job, which was even more disdainful to me. At the time I was working with a company called HubSpot. I was one of their partners and Pete Caputa at HubSpot had started his partner program. And part of the partner program, he started a sales training because he found that most marketing agency owners like me couldn't sell or at least not sell properly, and that it was impacting the growth of their business. And so I met several people through Pete, and one of those was a team at Objective Management Group, and I hired a coach. And through that, I started to change my perception of sales as this pushy, aggressive, manipulative sales tactics and more into like the relationship that a doctor has with their patients, where they ask a lot of questions and they're consultative and they're trying to find out what is the actual symptoms mean and how do we solve that problem? And it was when I started to change my perception of sales to one that was more based on helping people and building relationships that my results started to change. I actually started to have fun with it, like the kind of fun that you would have hanging out with your friends and having a conversation because it was really about the conversations that I was having and how those changed. And it was my perception that was preventing me from having that kind of a conversation. I saw this actually very recently when earlier this year, Mark Roberge asked me to come in to coach some of his entrepreneurial MBA students because they, one of the things that the Dean of Harvard had gotten as feedback was that his MBA students wanted to learn how to sell because that was the one challenge that they had when they went into entrepreneurship, just like I did. One of the things that they did was they gave them some information and they video recorded students having sales conversations with their counterparts. And what was interesting is that as I was watching these video replays, you saw the first like five minutes or so, they were having a conversation just like they were talking to one another and it was a normal kind of everyday human conversation. And then as soon as the timer went off for them to enter into the sales conversation, it was like it was two totally different people having a conversation. It was almost as if they had put on some kind of a mask or a costume of this persona of what they thought sales should be. And suddenly they were talking faster. They never paused to take a breath to ask a question. It was all about what they wanted and what their business model was. It was all about them. And it was because this was what their perception of sales was. And it was a horrible sales call. And the results of it were showing, you know, 
that that people wouldn't necessarily buy from someone who had a sales call like that. But you could see it like the perception was a cloak that they wore, just like I did. And that's why it's so I'm so passionate about it, because the negative perception of sales, it almost reminds me of what doctors were looked at in the 19th century, where they were seen as witch doctors and mythical fanatics and barbarians because there were no standards in place. The perception of the medical field was very negative, just like it is with sales today. And when they started to use science in the 19th century in the medical field, they started to create those standards and that ethical and kind of respect that the medical professions have today. And I think that's what we can do for sales. And that's going towards how do we change that perception? So is that why I noticed in some of your messaging on your on your website, et cetera, you you intentionally use the word a scientific sales development firm. Yes. And is that where that comes from? Because with you, it's, it's sales is a scientific. It, there is a defined process. There is sound research behind the tactics employed to be successful. Is that the premise? Yes. The, the premise is if you use psychology and how the educational sciences and behavioral sciences and cognitive sciences and neurosciences, it's all about human interaction and human perception. That is all how we impact our behaviors and our outcomes. And so I, I look at science as a way to cut through the myth. Like if you think about the sales training industry now, this is how I did it. These are my five steps. And if you do these five steps, you'll have success. But how many people have bought a book or listened to someone's talk about how they did something and then they try to apply it in their world and it doesn't it doesn't apply or it doesn't scale or they're not able to do it. And I looked at it when I was an entrepreneur in my first business. I read all I, I still do. I still read all of the books. And it's not to say that those don't have value, but it's sometimes one person's perception and based on their experience that they had. And it's this limited scope there are a lot of variables into whether or not this is going to apply or ring true or prove out. And then I think that you've even seen this too, where you start looking at data that goes in the face of some of the myths and traditional ways of thinking about things that causes a change in perception. And it also causes people to stop and think, well, maybe not everything I read or everything I hear is exactly as it seems. And, and science is about testing it out, make the observation, draw a hypothesis, and do the research and the data to see if this is true. And most people just stop at, well, so-and-so said it, so it must be true. So let me ask you a question. For those who are listening, to, which are, by the way, numbers in the hundreds of thousands right now, what self-diagnostic questions would you propose they ask themselves to help them determine how they perceive the role of sales? I think a lot of people have probably heard of Daniel Pink's book, To Sell as Human. And in that, he asked, I forget how many people it was, but he asked them, when you hear the word sales, what is your first reaction? What do you think of? And if your first reaction is the pushy, aggressive car salesman that you had to deal with last time you bought a car or the telemarketer who is calling you at odd hours of the night or the even the person who's sending you all of these spam emails, either on LinkedIn or in your email, if those are your first thoughts, then you probably have a negative perception of sales. And as Daniel Pink wrote in his book, nine out of 10 of us do. And the other thing that's interesting is looking at, have you ever met a salesperson you could trust? Even salespeople, there was a study done by uh, Dave Curlin, who's the founder of Objective Management Group, called the Trust Project. 
I could even reference Deb Calvert's book, Stop Selling, Start Leading, where her research showed the same things, where buyers are looking for salespeople who can ask them questions, help them think about things that they hadn't thought about them in a way before, that know about their business, that answer their questions when they get asked, and that they can actually trust. And that's one of the things that is missing. Like if you were to look at the most untrusted industries or professions, it goes salespeople, lawyers, and politicians at the bottom of the pile. To self-diagnose if you have that negative perception of sales is what do you think sales is? Is it getting someone to buy? Is it convincing someone to do something? Or is it helping them to find a solution for a problem? Hold that. We're going to break. We're going to come right back after this quick commercial message. And I want to follow the thread that we've started to unravel here. So don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back. CRM was designed for managing relationships. Sales engagement is designed for starting them. Current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time, make less than two attempts to contact them, and are only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing qualified leads into sales qualified leads. According to user reviews, VanillaSoft will increase your pipeline and productivity by three times or more. Blow your quota out of the water. How? By ensuring each new sales lead is engaged within seconds, persistently, and with the cadence that is optimal for your prospects. Don't let your sales leads fall into a black hole. Take your lead engagement and sales qualification out of your CRM. Try VanillaSoft for free at VanillaSoft.com. All right. I want to explore more of what you were just talking about. You talked about the perception of sales. I love your analogy of sales, lawyers, politicians, and uh, with the, uh, the the midterms that have happened in 2018 in the U.S., there's lots of uh, reference points there for the trust factor and perception. If that's third and sales is one, that's pretty crazy. You know, some of us understand that maybe we don't have this good perception, but but we try to offset it. And you mentioned this just quickly before we're our break. I may have the right tools or techniques or tactics uh, that I can use, you know, the best uh, follow these steps and and you will start having some success. I've seen it firsthand in the teams I've managed and, and whatnot, that many people who are perhaps are not confident in their own skills, they grab on to some of these tools and techniques and tactics thinking that will be the savior. And ironically, a lot of people will see success with that. So is that what they should be doing or not? I have a lot of people come to me and say, hey, have you ever read the Challenger sale? Your coaching style really reminds me of that. And honestly, I've never read the Challenger sale, but I've seen its effects. And what happens when you get things like that, that come out that talk about various ways to do something, the latest tools, the latest tactics, the latest technology, people tend to grasp onto those. And some people are successful with them and some people aren't. So what separates the two? Why are some and why aren't others? And what I have found is, If you have certain strengths, certain mindsets, and certain perceptions about sales, then it doesn't matter what tools or tactics or techniques are thrown at you, you can adapt to those. Versus there are some people who will read the challenger sale, and when they try to execute it, they just come off as a jerk who's not really adding value. Versus someone who can go from challenger sale to solution selling, to spin selling, to question-based selling, to buyer-centric selling, or whatever the next thing is going to be. They're able to adapt because they have certain strengths. Things like, for example, believe that sales is actually about helping people. Their skill set is 
not hampered by, for example, asking a lot of questions in sales is important. Asking the right questions in sales at the right time is also important. So things like, do they need the person who they're talking to to like them? Or do they need their approval? Do they need them to see how smart they are? Are they able to stay in the moment when they're having a conversation with someone? Do they have control over their emotions? Uh, do they overcome rejection easily? Are they able to talk about money? I, I mean, and our perception of money could be another whole podcast in and of itself, but it affects us in sales. And so without these strengths, these inner mindsets and attitudes, no matter what tools or techniques or tactics we try to use, we're not going to be successful with them because we're trying to band-aid something that needs stitches and deeper work. And I also see some people use the latest tools and tactics as a way to try to opt out of having conversations. Or for example, how many times have you seen someone, instead of picking up the phone and calling someone, sent an email and then another email <laughs> and then another email? Because their perception is nobody wants to talk on the phone anymore. There's this thing in psychology that's called the, the theory of reasoned action, which says that it's our beliefs towards a particular action will impact whether or not we do that particular action, which I think we've all heard of before. But one of the things that's interesting is that it also takes into account what we think other people around us would consider normal to do. So if you're telling your sales team, for example, that they need to start uh, digging for a budget and getting to decision makers and going around people, but they were raised to believe that it's rude to talk about money and it's rude to sidestep people, their belief is going to prevent them from doing whatever tactic it is that you're asking them to do. Also, if we believe that doing something will lead to a positive outcome, then we'll have a good attitude towards doing it. But then, of course, the opposite is true. So if we think that, for example, cold calling doesn't work, then we're not going to pick up the phone and call. But we can change these behaviors. And I think that's the thing that people should understand or take away from this is that if you were to tell me 10 years ago that I would be coaching salespeople, I would have asked what you were taking or drinking or smoking or something because there was no way in the heck that was going to happen. This has changed. Nothing is set in stone. I've seen people have a lot of success with Every single one of those selling methodologies and tools that you reference, I think for some, it gives them a framework that they can build upon and develop themselves. For others, the framework is so foreign to them for all the reason you just explained. Or if I was raised, it was rude to challenge anybody or to ask about money, then I'm just not going to do it, even though the framework says to do that. I've seen both work. For those listening, should they try these tools and tactics? Or I guess maybe the point is, at what point did they say this is or this isn't working for me? How do they measure whether it's being effective? How do they change their own behavior to perhaps overcome some of their own perceptions of the role of sales and how it's influencing their actual success outcomes? I have to explain it to people this way. When I was in college, I was taking my uh, business major and a marketing minor, and I was forced into taking accounting. And accounting is my least favorite thing in the world to do, by the way. And so I went into the accounting class. I fully expected that we were going to be opening QuickBooks and we were going to be going through and showing and learning how to do this. No, she actually had us doing ledger, like paper and pencil, debit column, uh, credit column, outcome column. And we had to write it out. We had to understand everything that went into it before we were allowed to get our hands on the technology. And I asked her, I said, well, why are you doing it this, this way? Which It seems like so redundant. We're never going to use this. We're going to be using the technology to do it. And what she said stuck with me, and I repeated it in every technology company I've ever worked in or worked with. And that is, 
if you don't understand the premise underneath it, then the technology will never be able to really help you. You'll never understand why you need to do things a certain way or even where the technology can ultimately help you. So for example, if you're not really good at asking discovery questions and opening a call and building rapport and building a relationship, then when you go to create, let's just say you create an email sequences for when people do certain things, the content of that, the message of that and how to execute that will come off as, well, like all of the emails and things that we see that are spam and salesy and yucky, and we don't want to answer any of them because the person who sent it has never really learned how to and practice how to have a real conversation to know where does this technology or tactic or latest tool fit into the way I have conversations. So how does an individual rep, I guess, self-medicate, for lack of a better word, to figure out what's right for them? To figure out that they have their own issues, these are the issues, and this is how I change. This is the thing about being a salesperson that I love, and, and maybe it's because I'm also an entrepreneur, but sales is one of those professions that it is completely within your hands. Yes, you work for a company, and that company should make it easier to support you, and there are, are some out there that do. But ultimately, it's not up to your company to help you be successful with your book of business if you're a real, true salesperson who is going to be proactive and take control of your destiny. Isn't that why salespeople love sales is because we get the direct results from our own outcomes and that it's in our hands. So let's take it in our hands. To change any behavior, first you have to become aware of what they are. And the challenge here is becoming aware of what our behaviors and our attitudes are objectively, because science also has this thing that's called cognitive bias. And Cognitive biases will cause us to not exactly see reality as it actually is. And especially in newer salespeople, the less experience that we have with something, the more skilled we tend to think we are at it. It's the ones who have more experience at something that they actually start to see, this is where I need to improve and this is where I need to improve. So if you're a salesperson who's just coming into sales, there are some tools out there. There's some that I use that you can start to objectively see what are your biases and your skill sets and your beliefs and create that kind of an awareness. What science also calls the cognitive dissonance is where we are here in this place, we're at point A, we wanna to get to point B and there's a gap in between. It's identifying that gap in between that gets in the way. The other thing that they can do is every company I ever heard of has a quota and they hand their quota to their salespeople. And I often say to the salespeople that I work with, reaching your quota is like getting up in the morning and being excited about paying your taxes. It's just not motivating. It's what you have to do to keep your job. So for salespeople who want to improve and want to change their behaviors, you got to start with what your why is. What is your why? What is your personal goals? Whether that's an intrinsic goal of wanting to be the best in your company and master your craft or an extrinsic goal of establishing a lifestyle and providing your family, both can be equally quantifiable. And if you start setting your goals and then looking at your company and your company's quota as the means to the end of your personal goals, that will cause you to start to look at what are the things that are standing in my way? This is you taking your life into your hands. The other things that salespeople can do is not just create the goals, but create an action plan for those goals. Almost think of your sales career as your own business. And if you were to have your own business, you would not only have your goals and have those goals broken down by how many customers do I need to get? 
in order to reach my particular goals financially and otherwise. And then you start to develop a plan for that of who am I going to contact? Who is in my network? Who can I talk to about reaching the people that I need to talk to? And so now you have the start and the beginning of a prospecting plan. And in that prospecting plan are the people that you know and the people that know the people that you want to know and coming up with what's the approach going to be? What is the message going to be? And how many of those people am I going to reach out on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday? And so that you start to develop plans with behaviors and activities in them that you need to improve on. There's technology tools that also can help to create awareness, like call recording technology. And listening to your own sales calls is an awesome way to get that awareness of what's going on in your perceptions and behaviors. Because if you can be strong enough and brave enough to listen to yourself, you'll start to hear those things like, oh, I should have asked this question, or I missed it when he said this, and I should have gone back and, and said that. And you can take those things to your manager or whomever it is that you're working with to improve in sales and say, this is what I did on my last sales call. I know I needed to do it this way. Can you help me practice this conversation so that I can do it over again on my next call? And even asking them, I'm thinking about taking this approach to ask this question that I didn't ask on the call. How would you react to that? I actually had one salesperson recently that I was coaching who was trying to reach a CEO of a very large company. And he was getting all of this pushback from the large company that this huge deal, this was going to be the largest deal in my client's company's history. And I said, do you think that the CEO of your company knows that this is a big deal for you and he's maybe just waiting you out to see if you'll give him a discount? He's like, no, they would never do that. I'm like, okay, go to your CEO and ask him if he's ever done that. And he did. And the CEO was like, yeah, this happens all the time. I can wake them out. It's not a big deal. And so it's it was just that perception that he's like, no, they would never do that. I'm like, okay, well then let's see. So as a salesperson, if you want to get the perception of your buyer and you have people inside of your company who have the role of VP or CEO or CFO or wh whoever the decision maker is, have a conversation with them. How would you react to this kind of approach? What would you think if this was said? And you can start to get some awareness of not just of yourself, but also of the other person you're trying to talk to. That is gold. We're out of time. We're going to stop it there. If you liked what she said, and I loved what she said, check out her website, unboundgrowth.com. A couple cool things there when you're there, right? She's got this mindset matters guide that'll help you self-identify how your mindset will influence your skill set, exactly as she's talking about in the self-diagnosis. Uh, the other part is she has a weekly sales lab, guys, just as for free. Go there, check it out. Follow her on LinkedIn, linkedin.com, uh, Carol Mahoney, C-A-R-O-L-E-M-A-H-O-N-E-Y. Love her Twitter handle, I Carol Mahoney. So there you go. That's all you need to know about her. With that, we're going to wrap it up. Carol, thank you for your time today. Thank you. We're out of time here, folks. I had a blast. And that's it. We'll be back next time with another episode of Inside, Inside Sales. In the meantime, you take care, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening once again to another episode of Inside, Inside Sales. Hosted by Daryl Prale, the CMO of VanillaSoft. Tune in every other week for actionable ideas to increase your sales productivity. One of the many shows on the ever-growing Funnel Radio Channel. Sponsored by VanillaSoft. <laughs>